Turn with me to the book of Joshua. We are preaching through a series in the book of Joshua, and we have come to Joshua chapter 22, the latter part or the second part of Joshua chapter 22. And I want to read a part of this message, this scripture to you this morning. Joshua chapter 22, I will begin to read from verse 9. And the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, returned and departed from the children of Israel out of Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go into the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, whereof they were possessed according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And when they came unto the borders of Jordan that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar. By, the, by Jordan a great altar to see too. And the children of Israel heard say, Better yet, the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan in the borders of Jordan at the passage, passage of the children of Israel. When the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. And the children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead. Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the priest, and with him ten priests of each chief house, a prince throughout all the tribes of Israel. And each one was an head of the house of their fathers among the thousands of Israel. And they came unto the children of Reuben, unto the children of Gad, unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, unto the land of Gilead. And they spake with them, saying, Thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord, What trespass is this that you have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord, in that you have built you an altar, that ye might rebel this day against the Lord. Is the iniquity of pure too little for us, from which we are not cleansed until this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, but that ye must turn away this day from following the Lord? And it will be seeing you rebel today against the Lord that tomorrow he will be angry, wroth with the whole congregation of Israel. Notwithstanding, if the land of your possession be unclean, then pass ye over unto the land of your possession of the Lord, wherein the Lord's tabernacle dwelleth, and take possession among us, but rebel not against the Lord, nor rebel against us, in building you an altar beside the altar of the Lord our God. 
This is the word of God. This is the context that I have chosen to read so that you can hear it read publicly. Let's ask the Lord for his help. Lord, we realize that we have before us the word of God. And we pray that we will handle the word of God with care and accurately as we bring this word to your people. We ask for help for your people that they will understand the word of God and that they will apply the word of God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the second half of Joshua chapter 22 is a sudden change of events. All of the gains in the conquest of Canaan were almost lost because of conflict. And this is the message today. Our message is church conflict. It shows that it does not take much to cause division in a congregation. Not much. There's nothing wrong with congregational conflict. There will be conflict. We all have a sinful nature. It is the handling of conflict that can become a problem and has become a problem. When we respond in a carnal way in resolving conflict, there will be a sad end and division. Here, the conflict between Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh and Israel came to an amiable resolve because they acted in a God-glorifying manner. The Apostle John, in 2 John verse 8, says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. All the gains made here in our church in attempt to promote biblical reformation and Christian conduct can be lost because of conflict, rash decisions, and carnal solutions. The two and a half tribes meant well when they erected an altar on the other side of the Jordan. I would not dispute that, but they failed to inform Joshua about this altar. Hence, it almost caused a civil war. History in the Bible is meant to teach us how to behave as Christians. There are both moral and spiritual lessons here for professing Christians. And you see, when you patiently go through the Bible, chapter by chapter, sooner or later, you will come to something that address problems in the church. You don't have to force anything. You don't have to plan anything. 
but patiently work your way through scripture because all scripture is profitable. We can learn how quickly relationships can become fractured. Evidently, many in our church have not learned from history. Part 1 of chapter 22 was encouraging. Joshua dismissed the three and a half tribes from the eastern side of the Jordan. They were commended for loyalty. They stayed the course for about 10 years. Some say 7, others say about 10. I don't know. Verse 2. Joshua 22 says, He said unto them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. Joshua charged them in verse 5 of chapter 22, Take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his way and to keep his commandments. But on the surface, it appeared as though the three and a half tribes committed a breach of promise. No sooner had they arrived in their inheritance across the Jordan before they erected an altar unknown to Joshua and the brethren. Word got across to the brethren on the west of Jordan who quickly marshaled a contingent from the command post led by Phineas, the priest, you remember him, who were ready to wage war, and rightly so. This is the context of the second portion of Joshua 22. I can't go through everything. I'll be here all day. Chapter is very extensive, but it is deep with moral and spiritual instructions for Christians. And I will divide the chapter into three main parts in our overview because of its volume. I hope that you have a copy of God's word in your hand because I will be only referring to selected texts. If you're taking notes, the outline that I'm using is as follows. 1, verses 10 to 20, how Christian relationships can become fractured. I know it is an extensive passage and an extensive outline, but this is what I wanted to say. How Christian relationships can become fractured. And this not only has to do with the church, but the home as well. 2, verses 21 through 29, how conflict can be resolved among brethren. There's nothing wrong with conflict. How conflict can be resolved among brethren. 3, verses 30 through 34, how unity is promoted in the congregation. Ephesians 4 tells us this. So let's look at our first heading, how Christian relationships can become fractured. 
verses 10 through 20. Now, as far as we can tell from the narrative in these verses that I am not reading, the three tribes left Shiloh in good standing with their brethren. But we are told in verse 10, and when they came unto the borders of Jordan that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see to. Another translation said, a great impressive altar. If you got the New King James, you would see that's what it said. On the surface, this action was in violation of protocol. It was not in accordance with what Joshua said in Joshua 22, verse 5, which we read. Neither did it correspond with the Lord's command to Israel before they entered the promised land. In Deuteronomy 12, verses 3 through 5 reads, The Lord said that they shall overthrow the heathen altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire. And ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God, but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall you seek, and there you shall come. Very clear. In Deuteronomy, the Lord chose Shiloh as the central place for his altar, the place where sacrifices were to be brought. This action by the three and a half tribes shows some primary causes that fracture relationships. I hope you go through them with me patiently. First, a lack of communication. Shouldn't the three tribes or the three and a half tribes, shouldn't these three tribes who were going east notify Joshua and their brethren of their intentions? Yes, they should have notified Joshua. But the Holy Spirit omitted this, that you and me can learn a lesson. One, leaders are not mind readers. They're not omniscient. They're not omnipresent. Communication is vital among church members. Many times, Christians are not forthright. They're dishonest in their communication. We should never let our good be evil spoken of. To build an altar is a spiritual act that should be sanctioned by God. But the three and a half tribes failed to communicate with their brethren. Romans 14, 16, the apostles said to the church, therefore do not let your good be evil spoken of. Church life is not what people think it is. And we need to learn ecclesiology. And what is church life? Actions should be done in consideration of our brethren. Whatever we do, 
We are a community of God's people. Now this may have been an innocent mistake by Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. But for some unknown reason, Christians deliberately fail to communicate. For instance, people come down with serious sickness. And the pastor is interested to know what's going on. And he never knows. For some reason, he's not told anything. The officers don't know what to pray for. This is not Christian conduct. And I must tell you that some of us cannot get out of the shell of being secretive and close. Communicate. It's the first area that fracture Christian relationships. A lack of honest, transparent communication. Men of God are not omnipresent. They're flesh and blood. This is one of the easiest ways relationships can and have become fractured. Whether it be domestic, and you might be here, you are married. With husband and wife, or in business, wherever I go, I tell my wife. Everything I do, or everything I plan, I tell my deacons. They know this. They already know that I'm traveling in January. Whether it be business, at work, but especially in the church, wholesome, truthful communication is essential. Let your year be year and your nay be nay, otherwise it's sin. This is our first subhead. Under our first main head, how Christian relationships can become fractured, whether it be in the home. But it be at work, but mostly in the church. Lack of truthful communication. Come to our second subheading. Under the main head, how relationships can become fractured. B, false assumption. Verse 11. Joshua 22, verse 11, a subhead. False assumption. The children of Israel heard say, and, and as I said, I like the literal translation, the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben, children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan, the borders of Jordan, at the passage of the children of Israel. Now here say is a terrible thing. The children of Israel heard someone say, it is okay to hear, but what was the source of their hearing? It could have been an intelligence group. We don't know who was sent over there, but there's a lesson. By the time you and I hear something about some person or the church, it is third hand. 
the best thing to do is to go to the source. We teach that all the time. Go to the source before assuming anything. The worst thing a Christian can do is to follow their mind. Our minds are tainted with sin. Sometimes what we are thinking is not the real truth. Maybe what we want. Here say, Proverbs 16, 28, a forward man's soul strife and a whisperer separative, separative treat chief friends. You know what is a whisperer? You know what I hear about. You know what he said? You need to stop this. Stop carrying news back from the church. Separate chief friends. And some of us are guilty of that. You know what the pastor said in his sermon? I'm here to build up. To edify the saints. To exhort. And to evangelize the lost. Which category are you in? You may not be in the first two I mentioned. False assumption. More harm in the church is done with gossip than with weapons of war. All the children of Israel heard was that their brethren built an altar. They didn't know the reason. But they are going over there with guns and bullets. Their assumption was that they were in violation of Deuteronomy 12. It led to what we read in verse 12 of Joshua 22. When the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh, place of worship, to go up to war against them. In a sense, Israel had violated the tribes have violated the word of God. Israel had a valid reason, but in another sense, they were acting on false assumption. A third way relationships are fractured in the church is by rash decisions. Rash decisions. Verses 13 through 19. And you can make a note of these things. The context is very large, and therefore we have to overview. Verses 13 and 14. The children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Notice that these, these phrases are repeated over and over and over again. Into the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the priest, and with him ten princes of each Chief house, a prince, wrote all the tribes of Israel, and each one was in head of the house of their fathers among the thousands of Israel. As you can see, this is a very large contingent, and this is not any, any, any personnel that is going. These are qualified, trained men that are fit for war. Israel had one remedy in mind in solving the problem, combat. Aggression. We remember Phineas, who was zealous over the purity of worship in Numbers 25, where Phineas killed a man and a woman who were committing a moral breach in the church. And he's ready again 
At times we have to lay low with people. I'm sure Joshua remembered this great exploit. This time Phineas was sent with a delegation to wage war. And because you and I have hindsight, we can see that it was a rash decision. We know, we know the context. We can see it is a rash. Back then they didn't know. But Proverbs 18, 13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. You don't make decisions on hearsay. Thousands of people left the church because of rash decisions. Never talk it true. How can relationships become fractured in the church? Rash decisions. Too quick to take action. We are to be, we are to be quick to hear. Slow to speak. For the wrath of man does not please God. Think of the many divorces today in the church. The unnecessary church splits because of a lack of communication, because of false assumption, because of rash decisions. Think of it. In Israel's haste, wrong assumptions and accusations were made. He who hastens with his feet sinneth. Verse 16 says, Thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord. What trespass is this that you have committed against the God of Israel? To turn away this day from following the Lord, in that you have built you an altar, that you might rebel this day against the Lord. No. In Joshua 22, 17, Israel, of course, remember the whoredoms with Moab. Remember that chapter we did a few weeks ago in Numbers 25? They remember this. They reference it. Is the iniquity of pure too little for us from which we are not cleansed until this day? Although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, sin has a long-lasting effect. God forgives sin, but the consequence of sin lingers on throughout your life. This is what Joshua, Joshua's men is saying. Yeah, he said, yeah, we were cleansed from the plague, but up to this day it is affecting us. They are concerned about their brethren, what they're doing. They're concerned about the purity of worship in the church. I would to God that we will be like this. These are some deep moral and practical truths, truths to consider. Relationships can become fractured because of a lack of truthful communication by false assumptions, by rash decisions. If there's any Christian vir virtue within us today, we would recall the words of Hebrews 13, verse 16. 
But to do good and to communicate, do not forget. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Well, of course, to communicate, it can communicate in many ways. But don't forget that verse. Point number two, how conflict can be resolved, 21 through 29. How conflict can be resolved. And this is why we have to do the whole chapter. We, we cannot do a part of it because it, I won't be doing justice to the chapter. So I, I felt that I should do a complete survey. How conflict can be resolved. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 17, 1 and 2, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. You and I cannot avoid conflict. But you and I can be the cause of conflict in the church. You can be the cause. You can be the reason why there's conflict. The Lord makes an ominous prediction about one who causes conflict. He says it were better for him that a millstone were hang about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. The Lord is saying it's better for this one to go to hell. Church conflict hinders the salvation of many. We can learn some ways to avoid conflict in the congregation. One, by having a godly response. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up strife. The three and a half tribes were given a forum to declare their hand, verse 21 and 22. Then, you know, when you see the word then, it's a conclusive word. Then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, Children of the half tribe of Manasseh answered. Now there's a time to answer. They listen. They listen to the accusation. They didn't fight. They listen. But there was a thing. They answered and said unto the heads. Of the thousands of Israel, there's a way to approach authority. There's a way to approach leadership. They said, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knoweth, and Israel he shall know it. It be if it be in rebellion, or if in transgression against the Lord. Save us not this day. In other words, what they're saying, if we have done this thing for this reason, kill us. 
Their action was not one of rebellion. It may have been ignorance. Conflict, conflict is quickly diffused by a godly response to accusation. There is a way that Christians will act. And there's a way that an unconverted person act. Look at Abraham and Lot. Look at the two of them, how they responded. At the end of the day, Lot lost everything, even his wife. And you can always determine an unconverted person from a converted person. But you ain't no judge. Yes, I am. Because I have the scriptures. The Bible says, as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. When you want a fire to go out, do you put wood in it? Or do you add coals to the fire? Some people do. There's a way Christians can add fuel to fire. To charge up people. To act in an ungodly manner. Instead of quenching the fire of hatred, they can nurture those fires by adding fuel. We ought to have a godly response. There's some things that I would never tell my wife that happened in the church. Never. And I always tell the deacons that. She doesn't have to know. She would form decisions. There's some things that must be kept to a minister that shouldn't be shared. You don't tell your children everything. Well, some men are sissy men. We ought to have a godly response instead of an ungodly one. And, me, and, and you and I men ought to take heed of these things that I'm sure. Another way conflict can be resolved is, is by being forthright. By being forthright. What I'm talking about, being honest. There's a, there's a deeper problem when a person cannot be forthright or transparent. And, and, may, and many may not like those who are forthright. I don't like him because he's too forthright. He's going to speak the truth. Such people are avoided. The Bible says that every man speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Observe verses 22 through 24. The forthright attitude of Reuben. Yad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, who said in response, We did not build an altar to make sacrifice and burn offering, but we were afraid. We built it out of fear. 
Well, let me read verse 24 and 25 to you. We read, And if we have not rather done it for fear of this thing, saying, In time to come, your children might speak unto our children, saying, What have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord hath made Jordan a border between us and you. You children of Reuben and you children of Gad, ye have no part in the Lord. So shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. It's, and the, there's, a, there's a river that separates us and our children may not, may not be connected to the God of Israel in Shiloh. So, so we put an altar. You can't fault that. Okay, you fault that. We, we want to maintain the name. You know, sometimes people leave the church and somehow they don't go anywhere. And you might be one of them here today. They leave their borders. They cross the border. It's a bigger border, of course. They ain't got no altar. So you can learn from this too. Conflict can be resolved by a godly response, by being forthright, by being truthful. Thirdly, by declaring our motives. 26 and 27. Therefore, we said, let us now prepare to build an altar, not for burnt offering, not for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us that we might do the service of the Lord before him, with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, with our peace offerings, that your children may not say to our children in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. That's why they built the altar. They were looking at their families and the future of their families. Well, this great altar was not constructed Or it was not in contradiction of Deuteronomy 12. It was not for sacrifice and burnt offerings or a place of worship, but it was a witness to the generation to come. And many a conflict can be avoided in the church when people respond biblically. Matthew chapter 18. Moreover, if your brethren sin against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two or more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, Tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector, a lost person. Our relationships can be fractured, lack of communication, false assumption, rash decisions. How conflict can be resolved, having a godly response, being forthright, declaring our motives. 
come to our last heading. Last major heading. How unity is promoted. The very important heading, 32-34, it's very brief. How unity is promoted. It's based on Israel's resolve in settling the conflict with their brethren. They were satisfied with Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh's motives and transparency. Verse 30. When Phineas and the priests, the princes of the congregation, the heads of thousands of Israel, which were with him, heard the words that the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh spake, it pleased them. Notice this phrase. It pleased them. And this is the same principle taught in Matthew chapter 18. Just as quick as Christians are to make assumptions, we should be twice as quick to promote unity according to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 31 goes on to say, And Phineas the son of Eliezer, the priest, said unto the children of Reuben and unto the children of Gad, and to the children of Manasseh, this day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this trespass against the Lord. No, you have de delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. The Lord cannot dwell among a disgruntled people. The word of God will never flourish or thrive when there is conflict and confusion in a church. I want you to know this. There is a biblical way for Christians to resolve conflict. Verse 32, And Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the priest, and the princes returned, going back to Shiloh. The children of Reuben and of children of Gad, out of the land of Gilead, into the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel, and brought them word again, accountability. And the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God, and did not intend to go up against them in battles to destroy the land wherein the children of Reuben and Gad dwell. I wonder why they left out Manasseh and the half tribe. I don't know. But twice we read that the children of Israel were pleased. When there is Christian unity, It will not only be pleasing to the brotherhood, but it will be pleasing to the Lord. When a man is at peace with his enemies, there is peace. One of the reason, reasons why there will be unresolved conflict among brethren it's because of an unforgiving spirit. That's not good. The Lord commands to forgive one another 
even as he has forgiven us to the degree that the Lord has forgiven me and you, I should forgive one another. Suppose I was to hold a conflict against you. I wouldn't come, I couldn't be able to come here and preach with a good conscience. Because I hate you. I won't be able to do that. Yet some can come to church saying. The Bible says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake have forgiven you. This is a command. Whether you like it or not, to the degree the Lord has forgiven me, I ought to forgive others. Twice we read these words when Israel heard the words that the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spake. It pleased them. When people are living in a way that doesn't please God, it causes conflict. You want to please God? Learn to resolve your problems. Brethren can only dwell together in unity if they are pleasing God. People want to please themselves, but this is not what we are taught in the Word. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification for even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. That was Christ. That's what we are called to. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar Ed. For it shall be a witness. That's what it means, a witness. Between us and the Lord is us that the Lord is God. So though, brethren, chapter 22 is extensive, it can be understood in its moral and its spiritual context. It is valuable to the church, especially in resolving problems and showing how quickly relationships can become fractured unnecessary, whether it be in the church or whether it be in the home, a Christian must act like a Christian. And if I, my, my wife is here with me and my wife know whatever conflict we have, I will never divorce her. She may divorce me, but I will never ever divorce her. And Betty, you should have that confidence with Brother Depot. Also, whatever conflict you have, it can be resolved. From the word of God. Let me go through them in concluding that you would remember them. How Christian relationships can become fractured by failing to communicate truthfully. And I must add truthfully. By having false assumptions about each other. 
by making rash decisions. They don't solve problems that way. How can conflict be resolved in a biblical manner? By having a godly response. Soft answer turns away wrath. You don't add wood to fire. By being forthright. By declaring your motives. Why you did what you did. How unity is promoted? By living pleasing to God. Living pleasing to God. You can't fault a person if they are living pleasing to God. When we please the Lord, we will please each other. You want to make your husband happy? Please him. You want to make your wife happy? Please her. Oh, I don't come back. Eat these words. I pray that the Lord has helped us in patiently working through this context. Let's pray. Our Father, we give you thanks. And we thank you that this passage of scripture came at this time. Oh God, we pray, Lord, that you would help your people to be Christians and not to be churchgoers. We commit the word of God to your care and we trust that the Holy Spirit will work to convict, to convert, to draw us to Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.